At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Habig, the CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. Here at Healthcare Americana, this is a podcast for the 99% of people who get healthcare in America. We're not clinicians or policymakers. We're patients and caregivers, executives and advocates who are fed up with the status quo and have a desire to change it. This podcast brings listeners backstage at innovative organizations with innovative individuals across America that are putting patients first by delivering exceptional care to anyone and everyone. Today, we are focusing on taxpayer spending on healthcare. To many of people, that sounds like Pandora's box and more of a slush fund than anything else. But we have somebody with us today that really zeroed in on this. And and he and I actually uh, had some conversations a while ago about this. Please welcome Mark Pinsley, the Lehigh County Controller and candidate for Pennsylvania State Senate. Mark, great to have you on Healthcare Americana. Welcome to the show. Chris, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, we first touched base. You contacted us saying, hey, what is this direct primary care thing? And how can it help me lower costs for all the taxpayers in the great Lehigh County, Pennsylvania? And I was just blown away by, okay, who is this guy? How's he finding us? How do you reach out to us? And how does he know about this? Because you know, you were really on the forefront of what direct primary care and direct care by extension can really do. So give us some insight into the lead up to that conversation and what you were looking at in trying to solve for all the wonderful taxpayers in your county. Thank you. Yeah. So let me first explain what the controller's role is, because that might help sort of frame it a little bit. Basically, what the controller's role in Lehigh County is, is to look at all of the money that we spend or all of the money that we receive uh, and what's happening to it, right? So we can put a spotlight on uh, things that are maybe going wrong. So an easy way to think about it is, you know, every two weeks there's payroll. We audit that payroll to make sure that, first off, people are getting paid properly and that there's nobody on the payroll that shouldn't be on the payroll. That's sort of an easy way to understand it. So then you start to say, okay, so where are some of the big buckets of dollars that we're spending, you know, and Lehigh County spends about $30 million in healthcare. So it was obviously like an initial target for me is to make sure that, you know, we were spending the money properly. And because like, this is taxpayer money, right? Like it's not my money or your money, this is taxpayers' money. So it's all of our money. And it seemed like a good opportunity for me to see are we doing the right thing by the taxpayers? So the natural question is when you decided to embark upon this journey, what did you find? It sounds like the motivations there, right? We're like, okay, you know, you're one of the one of the, uh, I guess, good politicians out there. There, are, there are a handful, though. I'm not sure many people would <laughs> agree with me at this point in time, but there are a handful of people actually looking <laughs> yeah. out there and, and and trying to do right by the American taxpayer, and especially on the local level. And this is just kind of a PSA, but I want to urge everybody to get involved in local politics. Don't worry about what the feds are doing right now, but get involved locally. Anyways. Back to regularly scheduled programming here, Mark. What did you find out when you started making calls? What were your options and and what did that look like? Give us the whole journey. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, it's a, it was a great journey because uh, I knew nothing, right? Other than I paid my my premium, and I had previously owned a company. So once again, like I had been a payer of healthcare for my employees, but I didn't really know what was behind the curtains. And like, so at the top line, let me just tell you, like the end findings were that I found like over one point four million dollars in waste. And I also found that we are spending, you know, several hundred thousand dollars outside the county where we could be spending them in the county. So then let me maybe walk my way forward to that, which was, you know, the first thing was like calling a whole bunch of people that really were in the industry like yourself and understanding what are we spending this money on in the first place? And what I quickly learned was that I needed to divide the audit in half. So one side would be the medical side and then the other side would be the pharmaceutical side. And I really found for me anyway, that the pharmaceutical side was going to be easier to understand as I'm coming into this, uh, right? Because if you buy a set of pills, those pills are going to be identical no matter who you're buying it from, whether it's CVS or your local pharmacy or, or whatever. And it also doesn't matter like who your insurance provider is, like they're always buying the same pills. So it was easier for me to identify like, oh, we're paying... Like, for example, you know, I found very quickly that CVS tends to charge us more, let's say, than Rite Aid does for the same set of pills. It's not always true, but it's true. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we started looking at, so like, where are the areas, you know, like by talking to to people like you, where are the areas that I should focus on? And one of the things that I came across, across really early, which was surprising to me was, so let me take a step back. We are self insured. So what that means is, you know, when you go to the doctor and, and, or pharmacist and you present your insurance card, you pay your, you know, your copay, but the county pays the rest of that. So you may pay your $10 and we pay the other 30, we pay the other 100, whatever it ends up paying. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to say, okay, I want to verify what's happening. So we use, in, in our case, we use Highmark. Uh, and behind Highmark is a company called ESI, which is a pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical benefit manager, PBM which by the way, they're making all the money in the world. I wanted to know if I'm paying Highmark $30 for this set of pills, are they then paying the pharmacy that same $30, right? We're self-insured. We're paying Highmark a fee, you know, to help us, but we're not trying to give them any commission per se. And what I found was, you know, they were unwilling to tell me how much they were paying the pharmacy. So alarm bells start going off. <laughs> right? Think about democracy There's, dies in the darkness type of stuff, right? <laughs> That's it. Exactly. I mean, you know, if they're not willing to tell you what they're paying, then there's probably a difference between what you're paying and what the pharmacy is getting, right? And like, once again, talking with people like you and talking to pharmacists, you know, you learn that basically there's two separate uh, prices, one that's being charged to me, uh, you know, the county. And the other one that's being paid to the pharmacist. And that there is a spread, and Highmark or ESI in our case is taking that spread. Well, so all of a sudden, I know there's money available, right? Like, why are we giving them this spread? I don't understand. Like, I would be okay with it if we had negotiated that and we knew that there was going to be a spread between the two. Right. And if there was transparency, right? Saying, okay, you deserve X amount. You need to make a living. You need to make a profit, understandable, or else nobody else would be here. But what did you find when you kind of peeled back the layers there, that onion? I mean, one of the things that I found was, first off, I couldn't find out, right? Like, so I would go to the pharmacist. Well, first off, my contract with them said I shouldn't go to the pharmacist and ask them any questions. I wasn't so much a believer in that, but I did go to the pharmacist to see whether or not they had a similar contract, which they did. 
And so I wasn't going to ask a pharmacist to breach their contract, right? We're only one buyer in all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were, you know, we were not able to get that exact information as to what the transfer is. The second thing that I found out, quite honestly, is that I think the mom and pop pharmacies are really getting the short end of the stick. You know, in, in our example, Highmark is going and negotiating with the pharmacists. Well, when they're negotiating with CVS, CVS has power. When they're negotiating with Rite Aid, Rite Aid has power. Wal- Walgreens has power. But when they're negotiating with a mom and pop shop, that mom and pop shop really has no power. Mm-hmm. So they can, you know, they might get a lot less money for this. And, you know, when I say a lot less money, we, we might be talking pennies, right? But nevertheless, it makes a difference when it's a volume industry. They'll be getting a lot less money than a CVS or anyone like that, which I think is tough. I mean, like, I think that's tough for a small business. Like I, I'm a, I own a small business, so I'm a small business believer. And so when I see these guys, it's tough. Yeah, you're exactly right. And we hear that a lot, you know, that for us, healthcare is such an intimate local part of people's lives, yet people or patients are treated as just like this, this faceless population health entity over here where it's the real people on the ground. Like you call the mom and pops. It's the, what we call micro networks. You know, it's your primary care doctor that you've seen your entire life. It's, it's the pharmacist that knows you and is able to coordinate care between your primary care doctor and you. Um, those guys get pinched out, right? I mean, you know, look at all the, the a lot of the businesses that were that were deemed, you know, essential businesses were all the Lowe's and Walmarts of the world. So it's even happening in retail. All these big businesses kind of take over. Absolutely. But from the pharmacy right. side, you know, a lot of them are active in their own PBMs too. So what you were talking about is so many layers and so many hands out just taking dollars and cents out of that transaction that really should go between your plan, your company, your employee, and the people that are actually providing the healthcare services. I mean, you just highlighted three, four, five different layers of cost. Some people might say waste in that transaction. Yeah. I mean, I would classify as a controller, I would classify it as waste <laughs> for sure. How long did this process take for you to do this deep dive? You know, the funny thing is it wasn't terribly long. It was probably a three-month process overall uh, diving in. The bigger problem actually was legal, right? So I had, you know, sort of two groups of people that were trying to, or two groups, I should say, not people that were trying to, you know, or three groups, not trying to make sure that I didn't put it out. So one was obviously, you know, Highmark didn't really want this information to come out. They say that their pricing is proprietary, but we were giving information about their specific pricing. Not only that, but like, aren't we the ones paying the price anyway? So it's a government entity. It shouldn't be private. There should be full transparency in a government. I, I, hold on, yeah, Mark. Yeah. I, I got to ask. I got to ask about getting the attorneys involved because if you're saying it took me three months to dig through thirty million dollars worth of transaction, or that's how you know, like you mentioned, the, the size of, of the fund uh, for taking care of all the employees yeah. and their families, and then it took over twice that in conversations with attorneys you know, I got to pick apart that. Like, give us a little bit more insight than they didn't want us to talk about it. Yeah. Well, so they had specific things that they were saying were proprietary, right? So what they were saying that was proprietary primarily was pricing, which frankly doesn't make sense, right? Because as a government, we buy things, anything that we buy typically goes through a bidding process, right? And that bidding process becomes available to our constituents, and this is one of those odd areas where they were trying to hide the pricing, the individual pricing. Now, obviously, I'm not going to go say, you know, Mark Smith bought whatever anxiety medication. That would be a HIPAA violation. 
not only that, but it's not even important to me. I don't necessarily care who's buying it. I just care all of these people are buying anxiety medication. Is it around the same price? And so it wasn't just Highmark's lawyers. I mean, it was also the broker's lawyers. They didn't want it to come out because they were afraid it would make them look bad, right? So the broker is the one that's sort of giving us some guidance. They would say they don't give recommendations. They just give information and we make our own choice. (laughs) But like, why else are you hiring a broker other than to give you some recommendations? Wow. When these legal fights, I mean, were they actually threatening you with lawsuits or you name it? Like go through through the list of, of what landed across your desk from this fight to hide prices. Yeah. Well, the first one actually was the county itself. So that's why the third set of lawyers were, was we also have, you know, lawyers that represent a solicitor that represents the county. So immediately the county said that they would not represent me um, because there was a conflict of interest because of the contract that had been signed, you know, by administration and administration had said like they were going to keep a whole bunch of information private um, that they should have never signed on. So the county was against me and they told me that, although they didn't say they were, they weren't going to sue me, but they were just saying, we're not going to protect you. So I had to go out and get a different solicitor to make sure that he was going to protect the county's interest and my personal interest as well. So that was number one. Then number two, you know, the broker sends a letter saying, hey, all of this is supposed to be private. You know, we're going to, we, we may come out. This was on a phone too, right? They wouldn't do this on paper. We may come after you personally, as well as, as the controller. And then Highmark did the same thing once again on the phone. On paper, they would send the specific issues that they were concerned about. They would highlight the contract and say that I wasn't allowed to to send it out. And we went back and forth on this many, many times where I did actually change the output to make things a little bit more obfuscated. Like it it wouldn't say drug A, it would just say in general, a drug. So I was still able to get the information out there. It wasn't as detailed as I would have liked. And it wasn't as detailed as the original draft of the report but I still feel like it did its job. Wow. And kudos to you for continuing to push through that. There had to be some scary areas there. We were like, what, what, why am I doing this? What, why do I, oh why God. am I putting up with all this flack from some potentially deep pocketed interests? Was there ever a time where you're like, it's not worth it. The juice isn't worth the squeeze. No, there was never that because like, I was passionate about this. Like, I think that, you know, we need to, we need to change healthcare and we need some people that are going to be willing to take some risks in order to do it. And I felt my risk was worth it at the time. I think the, the part that I had the hardest time with was that I didn't feel like administration here in the county was with me. And that was, and they're my, they're the same party that I am. So I'm a Democrat, they're Democrats, and they like took 10 steps back. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> so <laughs> that was not fun. <laughs> so they were fighting you on this stuff? Yeah, they, because of the contract that they signed, you know, they were like, well, we don't really want to deal with this. You know, we'll wait whatever, three years for the contract to end. I'm like, we're losing a million, $1.4 million. Why are we waiting for the contract to end? We should be going after this now and making changes, which by the way, we did end up getting to, like they have made changes to the contract since then. Good, good to hear. But I, I started smiling because isn't it amazing? And, and you know, your story is incredible because you actually went through and pushed through to get some changes involved. But you know, we talked to a lot of people and a lot of guests on the show and, and through our daily lives who are like, Man, uh, my my benefit cost just went up by fifteen percent. I guess I'm just gonna you know have to sit here and take it because I asked my broker, or my benefits advisor, whatever it was. Hey, what else is out there? And I said, well, maybe I can get you a thirteen percent, but we have to change all these plans. And it's so complicated and convoluted. 
like I said, good job fighting it and, and pushing through it. But did you ever get a sense right. that, you know, like you said, from, from the county admin that, you know, they were kind of exhausted or they're like, yeah, it's a lot of money, but it's just so complicated. It's better off just to kind of let it do its thing in the background. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they were worried about a lawsuit without a doubt. Uh, and they're like, yeah, what's the difference? You know, you, you're saying it's a million dollars or 1.4 million. Can you really prove it? Which, yes, I can. Wrong person to ask that question. <laughs> what, did, what did the employees and the families, what was their experiences to this and how they react? Well, you know, after I put the report out, I mean, I got a lot of positive feedback, both from the news and then both from individuals emailing me directly, you know, directly asking me or thanking me for doing this. Now, since I've done that, there has been some changes, you know, so one of the odd things or what I found odd uh, when I was looking at this was that our broker was being paid directly by Highmark, right? So we were paying our broker, but we were paying them through Highmark and then Highmark paid them. So who did they have a contractual relationship with? Highmark. So Mm -hmm. could we be sure that they were acting in our best interest? And part of my report said, no. I'm not, I wasn't taking a stance that they were or they were not acting in our best interest. I was saying, like, you, sim- you simply couldn't guarantee contractually that they were working in our best interest. And so that had changed almost immediately after the report came out. They stopped paying Highmark for that. And they had a direct relationship with the broker, which I thought was a big win. Yeah, that's a huge win. And, and I love that you mentioned that because I love to talk about, you know, it's really a conflict of interest to me. Again, you know, you, you mentioned that, that term earlier. I, I don't know why we allow this to exist when you know your county solicitor says, "Hey, I can't represent you here." How do brokers get through this and say, "Oh, Mark, you're 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 my client, but yet you never wrote them a single cent. They're getting paid by the insurance companies." This is what I like when they say it's industry standard. <laughs> what does that mean? If that means the whole industry is corrupt. That's all. You know, or feels <laughs> <I> like that. <laughs> you know. Because I would get that a lot, you know, like the, all three sets of lawyers, including our own, was saying, well, you know, that it's an industry, not my own, but the county's own. We're saying the same thing. Well, that's the standard in the industry. I'm like, well, it just it doesn't look good. I don't like it. Let's change that. And, you know, I, I am glad that the board of commissioners here in Lehigh County agree. Like it, it doesn't make sense. And even if and I believe that the broker was trying to work in our best interest, it just doesn't it doesn't pass the sniff test. Right. Like it feels wrong. Oh, absolutely. It's like someone coming up and saying the industry standard for car seats is to not use them. It doesn't mean it's a good idea or there's not something bad going on. <laughs> right. It's like this is all groupthink. This is this is you guys are distorting reality here by trying to hide the eight ball. And and it sounds like you and I share that view that, you know, what an insane way to go about our daily lives is saying, well, my team at Freedom Health Works hears this all the time. The worst thing you could ever say to me is this is the way we've always done it. No. Throw it out the window. Find some innovative things to go yeah, on. Yeah, evaluate based on today, right? Bingo. Bingo. So let me ask you this. Fast forward beyond the research into you know, the waste, as we call it, beyond you know, the, the pharmaceutical and just trying to compare what does this little pill cost me at a bunch of different locations going around the town here? Let's fast forward to today. So how did your plan yeah. change from then to what you have in place right now? So they're in the process of uh, putting out a new RFP for, at least for the drug side. So we only did the drug side last time, pharmaceutical side. You know, we're going to do uh, medical probably next year in 2022. 
Um, so right now they're in the process of really rebidding everything. And my understanding is, and I have not seen the bids, so this is just uh, third-party information at this point, um, that, they, that they think there's about a $3 million savings, which is I, what I had estimated, actually, I, in my report or my verbal report, I had said that I think that there was another at least million dollars out there. Um, so they found it. Total saving at 10%, right? That's right. It's a lot of freaking I mean, money. Just by waving a magic wand. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not even getting into, like you said, the, the actual medical spot portion of it, right? So where did you, where did you find 3 million? That's Was right. that just on the pharma side? Yeah. So, so where I found, because I found about 1.4 million, it was just on the pharma side. And a lot of it was through, well, part of it was through, let's say half of it was through rebates. So what um, Highmark had said to us in the beginning was, hey, you have a choice. You can either take a discount per employee or you can get a rebate. And somewhere in history, we decided to take a discount. So let's say instead of paying $30 per employee, we're only paying $20 per employee. So I said, okay, well, tell me what the rebate would have been. And the contract did say that they had to tell us that, which was good. What the rebate would have been for year X. And then we multiply out what the discount was that we got in year X. And there was a six or $700,000 difference. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it was like $600,000 difference where the rebate would have been more. And of wow. course, like you think that the, you think the healthcare system is going to give us something close to what the rebate's going to be? Let me guess. No. Probably right. Not. Exactly. <laughs> then some of the other finding was one of the things that I did was I took the drugs that we were buying and I ran them against GoodRx. I'm sure a lot of your fans know GoodRx, right? So you don't have to be an insurance holder. You can go to GoodRx and you know type in your drug and find what price you would pay. And so what I did is I did the same thing, but for our set of drugs to find out what a non-insurance holder would pay, you and I found once again, like nearly six or $700,000 in prices from GoodRx that were less than the price that we're paying. As, a, as an insurance, you know, as a self-insured person who's buying tons of drugs, how could that possibly be that somebody walking off the street could pay less than us? Makes no sense. I'm laughing not because that's funny, Mark, but it's just like, this is the, this is the kind of crap you see every single day, the deeper, deeper you dive into this industry. One of the things that I'll say that I, that I was learning for me was, um, you know, I have really always blamed the manufacturers, you know, for all of this. And I think, while I do think the manufacturers bear some responsibility, I really do believe, you know, now having gone through this, that the pharmaceutical benefit managers, the PBMs are really the ones to blame, mm-hmm. right? That's where the money, the extra money is going, is this middleman that's taking far more than their fair share. And like you said, you know, it, it just, there's no transparency. So if they that's come up to you and say, hey, I'm a PBM and I'm going to take $30 on top of this, you're going to say, hey, great. That's, that's, if that's your thing, go for it. I'm going to go with the guy who takes $3. But when you have right, no exactly. idea what's going on and prices keep getting jacked up, 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 and up, and that's the biggest thing. Like You have a significant amount of purchasing power in what you've been you know, doing at the county. That should count for something, right? That's supply and demand. Like Vote with your dollars. Go to somebody else. That's it. Exactly. Go local, right? You know, return that money local. And so one of the things I want to touch upon here and, and, you know, by the way, uh, congratulations on your announcement for for running for the Pennsylvania State Senate. Want to touch upon that a little bit. You know, I I know you're big on keeping dollars local. Do you see healthcare as a way to really execute upon that wish through kind of the programs you're talking about with local pharmacies, local, local medical care? Absolutely. 
I mean, one of the things that I saw, once again, we're all, the county's always looking to save money. So, you know, your healthcare provider comes to you and says, hey, look, you know, we can save you money. Obviously, we, the healthcare provider, know who is on maintenance medication, you know, whether that's anxiety or whether that's for, you know, diabetes or whatever. We know that. And so what we can do is we can send those individuals a note and say, if you use, you know, a pharmacy by mail, we'll save you X dollars, right? So this is the end patient can save money. And look, that sounds great. Uh, and they tell us we can save money too, because we're going to have less copay, you know, less on our side as well, rather. And so I investigated that. I thought, hey, that's kind of interesting. And I found that it was true, right? So we were paying less through the pharmacy by mail, which, by the way, happens to be owned by a health insurance company, who is also setting the price that the pharmacies get paid. You know, really not great. But what I found was, you know, I took some of those drugs. And I went to a local pharmacy and I said, hey, look, you know, if I was going to buy these drugs for, oh, let me tell you one of the differences before I go back there. So one of the differences is that local pharmacies, and that includes the CVSs and Rite Aid, your local pharmacy, they usually can only prescribe you in 30-day increments per the insurance healthcare plan. So you go in, you buy your 30 days, you go home, you come back in 30 days, et cetera. However, through the pharmacy by mail, you get a 90-day supply. And so you now have two less copays. It's one of the ways that you're saving money, on top of which the per pill price is actually somewhat lower. And so that's how we also save money, right? The per pill price was lower. However, if I went to a local mom and pop shop and I said, hey, take a look at these drugs. If I was giving, if you were selling me a 90-day supply, what would it be? In every single case, it was either the same or less than what the pharmacy by mail that was owned by the insurance company. So we could have kept that money local. Right. And instead, we're shipping it off to St. Louis. We're in Pennsylvania. We're shipping it off to St. Louis and we're shipping it off outside the county. That's not helping mom and pops where I think we could. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And we hear that a lot as healthcare systems get bought up by, like you said, health insurance. Right. They own a lot of doctors. And so they're kind of vertically integrating or private equity. Most major hospital systems are not owned by any local interests whatsoever. And so not only are these nonprofit systems not paying local taxes, property taxes are contributing to, I don't know, local schools, you know, for one, that'd be a big one. They're shipping money yeah. out of state too. So it, I mean, tell me if you agree with it, but it, it seems like it is a just massive shell game. And again, I can't salute you enough it's for a the government. It is. So, hey, you, <laughs> you said it, you know, there we go. Uh, <laughs> seen it, seen it from, from taxpayer dollar uh, usage there. When you started going through this, did you talk to any other counties or cities saying, hey guys, there could be something here where you can save a lot of money. I mean, it's not like local and county governments, even some state governments are drowning in cash right now. To me, they would be ravenous for this type of a finding and this type of a program that you're putting in. What have you found? Yeah. So as I was, as I was going through it, I certainly did talk to other counties first off to see if they had ever done anything like this, which they had not. And to see if they could provide any advice as I was going through, which they could not. But then when, once I was finished, I issued the report. We have a, you know, we have state, a state group, you know, of uh, county controllers, as you can imagine, there's 67 of us, I think, mm-hmm. you know, so I shipped it off to all 67. I've had calls asking me like what I did. Many of them are waiting until their contract is up with the healthcare provider or coming close to being up rather than going through sort of the legal machinations that I did, but at least it's on their radar now. So I think that there will be some thought at least going into it going forward. 
No, that's great. That's that's refreshing to hear. And I'm sure with 67, you know, other controllers, you're you're talking to people on both sides of the political spectrum, right? Yes, absolutely. Neither yeah. side. I mean, both sides are right there, right? Because it's money saved. You know, there's no reason not to. Yeah, it, and and you kind of beat me to the punch there because I'm thinking, you know, in this era of such divisive, fiery politics, it sounds like we're all coming together <laughs> around this idea of there are serious reforms that can happen on a local level, on a business level, on a county level, like you're doing. Is that something that has surprised you? Yes. I think, you know, like all of us, you know, especially before I got into politics, right, we really think about things from a national level, right? The things that are on the news are the president, Congress, whatever. You don't really see the local level, but the local level is like, that's where your trash gets taken out, right? That's where the potholes get filled. You can actually go to somebody and shake someone's hand and say, hey, there's a real problem. We can fix it here right now. Right, exactly. And so even with healthcare, I really didn't have an expectation that I could have any impact. And then I saw, you know, how much money we as the county were spending. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we could, we can definitely do something. You know, and so it was exciting for me. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's funny when you talk about it, because we, we talk to people of all walks of life on the right, on the left, on politics, somewhere in the middle, somewhere people who have like, I'm giving up politics. I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> saved again, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And the topics that we're talking about here, Mark, are, there's not anybody going around saying, you know what, everything is fine just the way it is. Absolutely. No, everybody agrees that there's a major problem in healthcare and that we need to figure out a way or we're not going to be able to afford to have healthcare, period. No, no. Um, and it's still the largest reason for bankruptcy, right? Healthcare is still the largest reason for bankruptcy. That's a problem. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we like to say that health insurance does not equal healthcare, right? A fifth of our yes. economy is built upon the interaction between a patient and a doctor. And then you throw a pharmacist in there too that knows these people. Um, I think where the biggest disagreements come from is how do we get there? You know, yeah. um, obviously Freedom Health Works, we like, we like the supply and demand, just let the market kind of flourish right there. Some people say, no, we need more centralized power. Love to hear your thoughts on it here as, uh, as our closing segment on this episode. So I think there's two things. I actually am a big believer in Medicare for all, only because when I think about it, you know, obviously buying groups are sort of the best way of, you know, lowering price. And when I look at like Medicare and what it pays versus what we pay, it's significantly different. Hmm. And you could argue, well, you know, they don't make any money. I, don't, I mean, I don't know their finances to say whether or not they're making money or not. However, when I look at the nonprofit hospitals that have, you know, significant profit, well, they don't classify it as that. I'm skeptical that there isn't money available. <laughs> the, the friendly neighborhood nonprofit hospital. Yeah, those are right. <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, secondarily, like I've been watching, I think it's Maryland, right, that has sort of the global budgeting that they do for the hospitals you know, where they go in and they negotiate. So it doesn't matter where you go and MRI costs the same everywhere. More I think even if contracting, we, yeah. Yes, yeah. So if we don't go towards single payer, at least if there was some government intervention around how much things can be charged, I think that would be good. Got it. Well, I will let that be settled in, in the debates. And, and I know everybody out there has their little, uh, has their thoughts about it and everything like right. that. Mark, it's been a pleasure talking to you here. I wish you the best of luck. And, and again, kudos to what you've been able to do from a county standpoint. And you know, if, if the voters and taxpayers of Lehigh County aren't throwing you ticker tape parades every single year, I don't know what, what would get them <laughs> the amount of money that you're saving people out there. So hopefully it's a model that can proliferate and people can look and see what you're doing and say, you know what, 
maybe the old way of doing things isn't going to be around for very much longer. Yeah. That, uh, first, thanks for having me on. And, and to your audience, what I would also suggest is, you know, when you're voting for your local controller, if you have one, ask them about healthcare and whether they're going to investigate it. This is an important issue. Call your local controller and ask them if they're willing to investigate it. There's an opportunity there. Your local government is spending money. Mark Pinsley, the Lehigh County controller in Pennsylvania, candidate for Pennsylvania State Senate. Thanks again for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. Thanks, Chris. That's it for this episode. Once again, I'm your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop, and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.